Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. The last two weeks, uh, we've been talking about uh, finances uh, on a broad scale, in a, in a more general sense. Uh, we're in week number three of our series on Money Matters. And uh, the first week, we talked about who is the owner of our finances? Who is the owner of the money that we have? Uh, I know that I have a bank account, and the bank account is in my name, and there are funds there. And so, you know, I might say that that's my money, but really it's the Lord's money. And if it's all the Lord's, because we saw in, in, in Deuteronomy uh, that the, the earth is the, is the Lord's and all that is therein. And so if, uh, if everything on, on earth is the Lord's, well, then we, we need to understand that also our finances are the Lord's, and God has a specific purpose for the things that are His, which is to bring Him glory. And so that should be the general mindset for us as believers, which is, I want to use my finances in a way that would glorify the Lord. Uh, my earning and my spending should be uh, in a way that would bring glory to God, that would be used for His purposes that would be used in the way that God would have for us to use them. And so that's an important thing for us to have in mind as we get further and further into the series. Last week, we looked at how that no matter how much money we earn on earth, at the end of our lives, we leave it all behind. But the Lord, Jesus Christ, he encourages us and he instructs us that we can be wise by taking our money and investing it into heaven. That when we use it for his glory, that we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Sometimes it, it, it involves us, you know, just uh, spending it and using it wisely. Sometimes it means giving it away, maybe giving it to a missionary, maybe giving it to others and, and uh, using it on others. There's a, a multitude of ways that we might use and spend, save our money in a way that would glorify the Lord so that we can lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Today, we're going to talk about some of the more uh, nitty-gritty details of finances. We're going to talk about budgeting. I know budgeting is not the most exciting topic in the world. You know, people aren't rejoicing about budgeting. Yeah, we're talking about budgeting. You know, you don't really get that kind of a response to budgeting. But it, but it is an important thing. And we're going to talk about some other, you know, kind of detailed things about, you know, budgeting and, and earning and spending. We're going to be talking about debt. We're going to be talking about credit cards and, and uh, things over the next several weeks. And, and uh, I wanted to cover those things because I think a lot of people have those kinds of questions, right? What is the proper place of a, of a credit card? What about debt? What about how do I spend and earn money? There's a lot of these kinds of questions, but I did want to lay the framework and the foundation in that the purpose of this series in, in terms of learning how we can handle our finances is not just so that we could accumulate more and more and more for ourselves. We have a higher calling than that. We have a higher calling here in our church than just building a, a, a wealth for ourselves. We want to glorify the Lord. And so that's why we want to talk about finances, is so that we could use our finances more and more wisely. And so here we're going to be talking about uh, our finances, some of the more detailed things of our, our, uh, how we handle our money. The title of uh, the, 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 the message today is that we need to be in control over money. The control over money. Because if you are not in control of your money, 
then it will be in control of you. If you're not in control of your money, your money will control you. And so we need to have a good handle of our finances. So are we in control of our finances? Are we the one that dictates what happens with the money we have, how we use it, how we spend it? Because if we don't use it wisely, then our money controls us. And this morning, I want to take a look at three principles required for control over finances. Three principles required for control over finances. The first one is what I would call financial offense. We need financial offense. It's, uh, it's no secret to uh, you that have been coming here that I love sports. I love watching sports. I like playing sports. Uh, we had some of the, the, the guys here on a Friday night. We were playing ping pong. I like ping pong. I like tennis. I like basketball. I like soccer. I like playing sports. I like watching sports. And uh, for the most part, uh, you know, there are a few exceptions. But for the most part, when you're talking about sports, the goal of, the, of sports is to win. And how you win is you score more points than the other team, right? If you're talking about basketball, to win the game, you've got to score more points than the other team. If you're talking about baseball, you've got to score more runs than the other team. That's how you win. If you're talking about football, you've got to score more points than the other team in order to win. And so that's how you win. The name of the game is you score more points than the other guy. You score more points than the other team. And uh, finances is similar. If you want to, if you want to talk about the, the term win, if you want to come out ahead, you got to score more points than the other team. Or if you want to put it this way, you got to earn more money than you spend, right? If you spend more money than you earn, you're losing, right? You're losing money. For us to win, we got to earn more money then we spend. And we got to have some good financial offense. Because if you're talking about sports, it's very hard to win at sports if you, earn, if you score zero points. Very hard to win. Same is true of finances. It's very hard to win if you don't make a lot. It's hard to win if you're making zero. It's hard to win if you're not bringing in a lot. I want to take a look at several uh, principles for financial offense. Financial offense requires production or work or toil. God has provided a way for us to earn money and that way is work. Second Thessalonians 3.10 For even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. The general way for, for a man to, to make a living is to work. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23, In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. So when we talk about how is it that we're supposed to earn money, it's not through gambling. That's not, our, that's not how we're going to make our living. Uh, we're not going to make our living through stealing or any of those things. It's through work. We're going to work, and that's how we're going to have some financial offense. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, But if any provide not for his own, especially those for his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Why? That ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. There's actually here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 a twofold purpose for having good financial offense. 
for working hard and for bringing in, you know, money, uh, for having finances, there's two reasons for it. The first reason is, is, of course, it says there that ye may have lack of nothing. Well, why do I need to work? I need to work so I can earn money. Why do I need to earn money? So I can provide for the needs that I have so that I can survive. But the other purpose is, verse number 12, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without. It's important that we work and to earn money so that we could have a good testimony. It's important that we have that kind of a testimony to others around us, that as we work and we have an honest living, that we desire to do things well, that we're willing to put in the sweat and labor, that others would look at us and say, hey, there's a good man, there's a good woman, there's a good person there. I respect that individual. They have a good testimony. That's important for us. And that's what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 says. If we're going to have some good financial offense, we've got to have some production. We've got to put in the work. Financial offense also requires persistence. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 4. The slugger will not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Financial offense requires persistence in this. No excuses. No excuses. You know, let's just be honest. You know, you work, uh, you know, if you, if you work at a normal, you know, five days a week uh, job, you're working about, you know, 50 weeks out of the year. You get a few vacation days. You're working about 250 days out of the year. Out of 365 days, you're working about 250. You wake up in the morning, you go to work, you're there, you take a lunch break, and then you, you get off of work, you make that commute home, and, and that's what you do 250 days out of the year. But let's just be honest, there are days where it's just not a pleasant day to go. You know, when I was in, uh, when I was in New Jersey, you know, and it would snow, I would still have to go to work. You know, in Seattle, it would rain. I would still have to go and then go. And uh, people ask me, oh, what did you do as a kid? And I told them, you know, I played soccer growing up. Oh, did you play in the rain? I was like, yep, we played in the rain every single day. There's huge puddles. And, and uh, you know, now that I look back on it, I think some of these people are a little bit crazy. They should have called these games off. It's a little bit too bad. But there's, there's what God has told us is that if we're going to have on if we're going to have some good financial offense no excuses now there are days of course you need to take a day off of course you need a break you need a vacation you need these, these sorts of things but you know it, it says there in proverbs 20 verse 4 the slugger will now plow by reason of the cold oh it's a little bit chilly today oh it's a little bit windy today i'm not going to sow the seed today and if we're going to have some good financial offense we just got to make the decision today i'm going to work i'm going to make progress i'm going to earn a living today. Financial offense also requires patience. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 11. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. Proverbs 13, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard desireth and have, hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The thing about work is, unfortunately, you know, people talk about, oh, I'd love to retire by the age of 30, I'd like to retire by the age of 35, but, you know, working life is just going to be a long time. Even kids who are not working, they're kind of working towards working, right? They're spending 12 years of their life, or 16, or 20, or, you know, if they're really serious, you know, 20, you know, 22 years of, you know, studying and educating and academics in order to work for the next 40 years. And so, you know, we spend a lot of our time working, and we just need to have that mentality. It's going to take a long time. We just got to be patient and persistent. We just got to keep doing it. 
And so God has given us a plan for financial offense. And I, I think most of us, we're, we're familiar with that idea. We, we, we go to work and, and we earn a living. We get a paycheck every you know, two weeks or a month or so. And, and we understand financial offense fairly well. The second principle, though, is financial defense. Financial defense. We talked about financial offense. You win games by scoring more points than the other team. So there's two ways, really, of winning. The first way is, I just got to score a lot of points. The other way of winning, though, is I'm going to stop the other team from scoring a lot of points, right? So there's two ways to win, two strategies. One is, I'm just going to keep scoring so many points that they can't keep up, and that's how I'm going to win. The other way is, I may not score a lot of points, but I'm going to stop that team from scoring a lot of points, and that's how I'm going to win. So I'm a sports fan, and uh, right now the, the NBA playoffs are, have started. They've, they've begun, and uh, so some of you may uh, have a favorite team from different uh, places. You may be keeping track of, uh, of uh, the playoffs, but uh, now that the season is over, I was kind of curious. I went back and I looked at some of the stats and uh, I was looking at some specific teams. And one of the teams that stuck out was the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they're over there in Arizona, Phoenix. If you're a Phoenix Suns fan, I'm sorry, but they were terrible this year. Uh, they were the last place team in the NBA this year. Last, dead last. They were terrible. The Phoenix Suns, though, on average, this year, they scored 104 points a game. But you follow, if you follow the NBA, that's not too bad. If you score over 100 points every game, you're doing pretty good. It's a good number. You break the three-digit mark, you're doing all right. And the Phoenix Suns, they scored 104 points on average every single game. That's pretty good. The problem is they let the other team score 113 points every game. Their problem was not that they didn't score enough. They couldn't stop the other team. It's just like they just kept scoring and scoring, and they couldn't keep up. And so they, every game, on average, the other team is scoring nine more points than them. All right? They won a few games, but they lost most of them. There's another team that I noticed I didn't, really, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't really keep up with these sorts of things, but looking at the statistics was very interesting to me. Uh, so I, I sorted things by how many points did each team score, and I knew that Phoenix was last, so I looked at where they were, and I looked at the teams around them. The team right above them in terms of the number of points that they score in a game was Utah, the Utah Jazz. So Phoenix, they scored just under 104. Utah scored just over 104. They scored basically the same number of points every single game. Phoenix was dead last. Out of 30 teams, they were 30th. Utah, though, scoring the same number of games, was 8th best in the NBA. Two teams scored the same number of points. One of them is last. The other one is in the top 10. What made the difference? Utah was the best team 
at keeping the other team from scoring points. They were the number one defensive team in points scored each game. Number one. You rank them by how many points did the other team score against the teams, Utah was number one. So that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Two teams scored the exact same number of points, one of them dead last, the other one top 10. What's the difference? Defense. And financial offense and defense works the same way, which is this. There's two ways to win in this game of finances. One, you could earn so much money that you can't outspend it. The other way is to stop the spending so that your earning is enough. You see what I'm saying? There's two, uh, there's two aspects to your finances. There's earning and there's spending and not spending. I should put it this way, saving, right? So your financial offense is, I go to work and I earn this money. You need some good financial offense. You need to earn some money, right? Right? You gotta earn some money. You gotta go to work. You gotta bring in, bring in uh, the, the paycheck. You gotta bring in some money. You gotta pay for rent. You gotta pay for, you know, food. You gotta pay for your utilities. You gotta pay, pay for gas in your car. All of these things. So that's your financial offense. I go to work and I earn money. Your financial defense is, I'm going to stop the spending. There's an old sports phrase, though, that goes like this. Offense wins games, but defense wins championships. You ever heard that phrase? How many of you have heard that phrase before? Okay, sports fans, all the guys raise their hands. <laughs> all right, every guy was like, I know that phrase. A lot of girls are like, the first time in my life. All right, you need to know this phrase, all right? Offense wins games. You want to win some games in whatever sport, you got to score. Offense wins games. But you want to win a championship be good at defense. Offense wins games, defense wins championships. If you want to win and really win at this financial, not game, but this financial life, you got to be good at financial defense. You have to be good at financial defense because we, and, and one of the things is we spend a lot of our time raising our kids to be good at financial offense, don't we? That's why we spend so much time thinking about educating our kids, right? Why do we spend so much time in sending them to tutors and we, and we do all of these extra things? Why? So that they could get into a good college, right? Why do they want to go to a good college? So they could get a good paying job. Why do they need a good paying job? So they can make a lot of money, right? And, and I, I'm, I'm not, you know, putting that down. I think that's important. We ought to work hard. And our, our kids ought to learn to work hard. They ought to enjoy, but also they need to work hard. And I'm, I'm glad that my parents put in me this, this idea of you work hard, all right? If you're going to do something, put your effort into it. And so it's important that we work hard and, and uh, get, get a good job and, and uh, work and earn. But if we're really going to win, we got to be good at financial defense. It's so much more important for us to be good at financial defense if we're going to win. 
We have to be good at financial defense if we're going to come ahead. And there's a couple reasons why. Number one, I see the endless propensity on spending. Proverbs chapter 21, verse number 20. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Somebody once put it this way. You can always spend more than you make. Always. There's always something more to buy. There's always something extra that you could get. You know, you, 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 you start off, uh, maybe your very first job, maybe you're in high school, maybe you're in college, and you go and you work at McDonald's or someplace. You know, you work a minimum wage job, and, and I think the minimum wage here in California is what, 12? 12.50 or, you know, L.A.? I don't know. Let's say it's 12, right? So you, you let's say 12.50, we'll, we'll, uh, because in the math it'll be a little bit nicer and rounder. But 12.50 an hour. Let's say you make 12.50 an hour. And, uh, you know, probably in high school, you're not working a full, you know, full 40 hours and, you know, you're, you're not working full time. But let's say you start off there, you're working a minimum wage, 12.50 an hour, and uh, you work 40 hours a week and you work 50 weeks out of the year, you're going to make $25,000 in a year. All right. Now, those of you that, you know, you're paying your rent and you're paying your insurance, you're paying for your utilities, you're, think you're calculating all of this in your head and you're thinking, there ain't no way I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it on $25,000 this year, right? You know, I'm, I'm thinking about my rent. I'm thinking about my car insurance. I'm thinking about my cell phone bill. I'm thinking about gas. I'm thinking about food. I'm thinking about all of these things. Uh, I can't make it on 20. I need better financial offense, right? Right? That's probably what most of us would be thinking. I need better financial offense. So, Kids, go to college. Kids, get a good-paying job. You need better financial offense. And so that, that might be some of the things that you're thinking. So you're thinking, all right, I got I to gotta, I gotta do something else. So let's say you go to college or whatever, and you get, a, you get twice as much. You make $50,000, right? So now you're thinking about, okay, this is the place that I was living, but you know there's always a nicer place to live, Right? You know, you make some more money, so now you're thinking, hey, maybe I could get out of this neighborhood and get into this neighborhood. You know, I could go from this school district to that school district. Hey, I can move from this city to that city. I can move closer to my work. I could move closer to my family or relatives. I could move closer to my church. I could, I could move to a nicer place. Let's, let's take it another step further. Let's say you make 75000 There's always a nicer house, isn't there? There's always a more expensive place. You know, it, let's say you're driving, you know, you're making that $12.50, and you're just driving this old, you know, 20-year-old car, and that, that's what you're driving, and you, you praise the Lord for it. You praise the Lord for what you have. But then you make $50,000, and you're thinking, hey, I could, I could upgrade my car. Hey, I could get a new car. I could lease a car. I could buy a new car. And so you buy, you know, just a, a brand-new compact car or a sedan or, you know, midsize. You make 75000 Now you're thinking, hey, I could get a little bit nicer car. I could get some, you know, heated seats or air-conditioned seats. I could get, you know, all of these new features. Now you're making seventy-five. You're making 100000 Now you're thinking, hey, I'm, I'm now, you know, BMW status. I'm now, Mercedes, I'm now Ferrari status. I got to get me a Ferrari. There's always a more expensive car, right? 
You know, when you're making very little, you're thinking about, oh, here's my cell phone. It's a three-year-old, four-year-old cell phone, and oh, you know, it gets the job done, you know, but then you get a, you get a higher-paying job, you get a raise, and now you're thinking, what? I gotta upgrade my phone. I gotta get that iPhone 10. There's no button on the front. I just hold it up, and it unlocks itself magically. I gotta have that phone. It takes a better picture. You know, and that's what we're thinking. I got a new computer. Hey, the, suddenly we get a new job, and suddenly we're thinking, hey, you know, all of our clothes that were perfectly fine before, now they're not good enough anymore. Right? You know what I'm saying? Right? And, and the point is this. You can always spend more than you make, no matter how much you make. You say, I make a million dollars a year. You could spend it up like nothing. You can all right? Not saying that you should. I'm just saying you can. You can spend it on, on traveling and vacationing and buying this new thing. You go on Amazon, one-click everything. I don't even know what it is. I'm going to buy it because I got extra cash. You can always spend more than you make. Always. That's why your financial defense is important. Because those of you that maybe, let's say you make 50000 how hard is it for you to make 60000 It's hard, right? Those of you that make 100,000, how hard is it for you to make the jump up from 100 to 120, to 100 to 150, 100 to 200? That's a hard jump to make, right? You know, you even work at a minimum, a minimum wage job, how hard is it to make 25 cents more an hour? It takes you time. You gotta be there, you gotta be consistent, you gotta work hard in order to do that. It's hard to make the jump from 100 to 110. How easy, though, is it for us to spend 110 rather than 100? Super easy, right? You're just shopping online, and they give you all of the, you know, people who looked at this now look at this, and you're thinking, hey, I didn't even know that existed. Now I want it. Now I need it. I need that. And now you buy it, you know? And, and there's that mentality. So financial defense is so important because you can always spend more than you make. Professional athletes, as many of you probably know, run into a lot of financial problems. Uh, I was reading that in 2009, Sports Illustrated did a survey. I don't know how many people they asked or you know, the extent of this, but they said NFL players within two years of retirement are either broke, they have nothing, or they are struggling financially. Here's what you need to know, though. The minimum, the minimum, we're not talking about the Tom Brady's, the Joe Montana's, we're not talking about them. The, the person that you've never heard of in your entire life that plays in the NFL, the minimum salary of an NFL player in 2006 was $275,000. How many of us make $275,000 a year? Anybody? You better be tithing if you are, <laughs> right? How many of us make that? If they're making two, the minimum is two seventy-five thousand a year, and seventy-eight percent of players are struggling or broke within two years. What's the problem? The problem is clearly not that they didn't make enough money. You work four years in the NFL, and you uh, earn the minimum. I mean, obviously, you, you have taxes and all of that. Obviously, these are great players, so they're tithing to their churches, right? So, you know, take out all of that, right? They made a million dollars in four years, right? If you make $25,000 a year and you work 
40 years, that's a million dollars. They earned a million dollars in four years working the minimum. 78% of NFL players are broke or financially struggling within two years. Why? The problem wasn't their financial offense. They made plenty of money. The problem was their financial defense. The problem was they were not equipped to handle their money. They were not properly you know, educated. They, they didn't know how to handle the sudden influx of money. They go from a college student who's basically making nothing to suddenly you're making $500,000 in a year. You know, that's a big jump, and you've got to learn how to handle all of that, and that can be difficult. Within five years of retirement, 60% of NBA players were broke. The average NBA player makes today $5.15 million a year, the average. So if you can make it to the NBA, make it, because you've got some good money there. Five mil average is $5 million a year. 60% of those people, though, struggle with their finances within five years. Why? They made, they made plenty of money. Their problem was their financial defense was terrible. They scored a lot of points, but they couldn't stop the other team from scoring. They earned a lot of money, but they couldn't stop themselves from spending. Is it wrong to have a lot of money? Of course not. But if you're going to win, you can't only be good at offense. You really actually got to focus on how can we be good at defense. The second reason that I see that uh, financial defense is more important is the eliminated perimeter on spending. The eliminated perimeter on spending. Let me ask you this. Obviously, don't give out your numbers, but think about this. You know, for the most part, if you work a regular job, like you're salaried or you're, you know, working and, you know, you got a consistent schedule, uh, you're probably getting paid, what, twice a, uh, twice a month, maybe every two weeks, something like that, right? And obviously it would vary from case to case, but you probably know how much you would bring home in a paycheck, right? Probably, you know, especially if you're salaried, I mean, it's a set amount maybe, so you know every month this is the exact dollar amount that I'm bringing in, right? So think about that number. So I get paid twice a month, and I know, and, and my paychecks are exactly the same. I could give you the exact dollar amount that I get paid every, every two weeks. So I know exactly how much money I'm bringing in. And most of you probably know, maybe not exactly to the dollar and cent, but you know how much money you make, right? You know in a month I'm gonna make this much money, right? Let me ask you this. How much money did you spend on groceries this month? How much did you spend going out to a restaurant this month? How much did you spend on gas this month? It's hard to tell, right? I know that I bought groceries. I know that I went out to eat. I know that I filled up my car with gas. But I could not tell you offhand how much I spent. So what happens the next time that you're hungry? You go to a restaurant because you're hungry. I gotta eat. Did I spend too much? I don't know, but I'm hungry, so I'm gonna go eat. I gotta fill up my car with gas, so I'm gonna fill it up with gas. And so it's, it's hard for us to keep track of how much we spent. You know, way back in the, in, in the day, some of, some of you may remember these things called uh, dollar bills and coins. 
you know, some of these younger people, they don't even know what they are, you know. <laughs> you know, the, you may remember these things called coins, right? I hate carrying around coins. How many of you are like me? You don't carry coins around, right? Somebody gives you change, you put it in the tip jar, not because they did a good job, but you don't want to, you don't want to hold on to the coins, right? Today, we have credit cards, we have, you know, Apple Pay, we have Venmo, we have all of these electronic digital uh, debit cards. We have all of these things. Well, way back in the day, if you wanted to buy something, you had to bring a physical coin. Not even a bill, a coin. You had to bring something physical. If you want to go even further back, you're not even talking about coins. You're like, hey, I got some grain. Anybody need some grain? All right, I need some clothes. I need some, you know, I need this. And you're bartering and trading back and forth. But you had to bring something physical. One day, though, you go up to the market and you open up your little purse, your little bag, and you open it up. There's no coins. Guess what happens? You're not buying anything because you got nothing. But today, we are better than that. We have the almighty credit card. We have no money. It doesn't matter. I can still buy it if I want to. I can keep going, right? There is, there used to be a limit on how much you could spend. But today, we've eliminated that in our society, and we've given people this option of credit, of a credit card. There used to be a hard limit. You run out of cash, you stop buying things. It's not about good financial defense. Nobody will give you anything anymore unless you got the cash, unless you got the bunny. Now, though, you just got a credit card. You swipe, you swipe. Now you just stick it in, right? You got the chip. So here's what happens. Because we've eliminated that hard line and we've extended it really into an area we cannot afford, financial defense becomes that much more important. Because if you have a credit card, and I would say probably every single one of you has one, right? Basically, every single one of you probably has a credit card. Probably most of you have multiple credit cards. I have credit cards that I've, I've never even used. But, you know, so I have credit cards, you have credit cards. The thing is, you know, how high is your credit card limit? I remember I got a credit card, and the credit card limit was $12,000. And I was thinking, I cannot possibly pay off $12,000 in a month. I don't need a credit card with a $12,000 limit. But the credit card company gave me one. And if I wanted to, I could spend up to $12,000 that month, even though I had no ability to pay it back. That's why your financial defense has got to be good. Because credit card companies and the financial system is making it easier and easier for you to just spend and spend and spend. So you got to be good. Thirdly, external pressures for spending. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 21, verse number 5. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but everyone that is hasty only to want. We live in a country, in a society, and a culture that says spend, spend, spend. You watch TV, what do you see? You see commercials. What are the commercials there to do? They are there to get you to spend your money. You go to a grocery store, you buy the things that you actually need, and then while you're standing there in line, 
You look over, and what do you see? You see little candy bars. You see gum. You think, oh, maybe my breast stinks. Hey, I just want a little candy bar. It's only 79 cents. Hey, I could buy that. Nobody would notice. It's just a little amount. You see it everywhere. When you go to a fast food restaurant, you say, I just want a burger. What are they going to ask? Do you want fries with that? If you want to go way back in the day, you want to supersize that, right? They keep getting you to want to spend more and spend a little bit more. You go to buy a car, what do they do? They don't take you to the base model, do they? They take you to the middle one. They take you to the upper one. They take you to the one with the cool features and the extra things that you would never use in your whole life, but it's there. It'll look cool. You know, you go into a store. They talk about, hey, you could get this. Hey, you could get this credit card. Hey, you could do all of these things. You see these commercials. Uh, one of the ones that I remember first as a kid was uh, Sprite. Obey your thirst. Obey your thirst, right? What are they there for? They are there for your money. They're not concerned with how thirsty you are. They don't care. If they were really concerned, they would say, obey your thirst. Go get a drink of water that's healthier than what we're selling you. But they don't say that, do they? Because they're not really concerned with your thirstiness. They're concerned with your money. They want your money. Nike, just do it. You're in the store. That's what the salespeople say. You're looking at this shirt. Just do it, man. Just do it. You're looking at the shoes. Just do it. Just buy it. Just get it. You know you want it. You know you need it. Hey, there's your, you know, your hero sports athlete guy, girl. Hey, you want to look just like him? The shirt, you'll look exactly the same. Just buy it. You could be just like him. Right? Are they real? They're, okay, I know that there are a lot of companies that they're great, and I appreciate what they do. And how they've enhanced some aspects of my life. But at the core, they are a business for profit. If they don't make money, they stop caring about you. Why? Because they're a business for profit. Of course they care about you, but if they don't make a profit, they can't keep doing it. So here's the thing. They keep selling and selling selling and selling. There's a lot of salespeople in the world. You go to the store, you watch TV, you're on the internet, you see, that's what advertisements are. They are sales pitches. Sales everywhere. Let me ask you this. Who's there to say, stop spending your money? Who in your experience of life here has said, oh, this advertisement says stop spending your money on this, right? Don't buy it. You don't see it. So you know who's got to be good at financial defense? Because everybody else is trying to, trying to get your money. So you know who's got to be good at financial defense? You do. Because nobody else is going to stop you from spending your money. Nobody else is going to say, don't spend it. Stop spending. Even, even financial you know, uh, advisors and things like that. You know, I, uh, Dave Ramsey is uh, somebody who has, uh, you know, he uses a lot of Bible verses, has a testimony of being saved and things like that. Even him, he's got to sell books, right? 
He's got to sell something. He's got to make a living too. He's got to have a radio show. He's got to have all of these things. And he's got some great advice. But even him, even him, he's got to sell something in order to make a living. So if you're going to win at this game of finances, you've got to have some good financial offense. If you're bad at financial offense, you're not winning. You can't win. If you make zero, you make zero. You're not, you're not beating the other team. But real success comes when you're good at financial defense. Because there's a lot of salespeople in the world. Even good, well-meaning people. You ever been with a group of friends? You know, those of you that are on a, on a budget and you keep track of these things, all right, uh, for those of you that at, towards the middle end of the month, you're run, you're, your restaurant budget is gone, right? You ever been there? It's, it's just, you just hit your limit and then you're with a group of friends and then your friends say what? Let's go out to eat. What do you say? Oh, I hit my budget. I can't go out there. Right? You're not saying that, right? Nobody's saying that. Oh, I can't go out today. Come on, let's go. What are you doing? Are you doing something else? You got plans? No, not really. Then let's go. Oh, no, I don't really, really want to go. Oh, man, you're boring. Come on, let's go, right? Even well-meaning friends can push their friends to spend more, right? You see what I'm saying? Hey, let's go out and have some, let's go to Disneyland. Hey, let's go out and enjoy. Let's go to this entertainment venue and, and do whatever is going on over there. And you might look at your budget and say, I've maxed out my budget for the month. I know that I need to buy gas next week. I need to go to the groceries next week. I need to do these things. And if I, if I do those things, I won't have any left, so I can't go out. And then your friends are like, hey, how come you're not doing it? Hey, you should come out. It's, it's, there's pressure, right? There's external pressure, even from our well-meaning friends, to spend more. Even your friends will try to get you to spend more sometimes. So if you're going to win, you've got to be good at financial defense. Who's got to be good at financial defense? You do. Because your friends, your family, other, you know, everywhere you go, they want you to spend. They want you to spend. They want you to spend. So if you're going to be good at financial defense, you are the one that has to be good. You have to be the one that says, no, I'm not going out. I'm not eating. No, I'm not going to buy that. No, I'm not going to indulge in that. Because if you cannot learn to say no, you will never you can't because you can always spend more than you make always you say I got a raise you got a raise and you're still at the same situation at the end of the month right zero why because you can easily outspend what you make so you've got to be good at financial defense thirdly I see quickly financial oversight financial oversight this is the budgeting part so now that we learned the principles of financial offense and financial defense, now we're talking about the pluses and minuses and balancing those out or coming out ahead is really our goal. We need to be in, in charge of our cash. You need to be in charge of your cash. Proverbs chapter 27, verse number 23 says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. 
here is the author of Proverbs, we're assuming, of course, this is Solomon. Solomon is writing and he says, know your financial situation. Know the condition of your flocks. Know the, 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 those uh, things that will bring in your, in your money. Know the condition. Know where you stand. Verse 24, for riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation. The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, uh, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance of thy maidens. You know what the author is saying? He's saying, be aware of the state of your sheep, because it is through the sheep that you will have good financial offense. So we need to be aware. Be in charge. Keep track. If you don't know how much money you spent on the restaurants this month, you need to know that. If you don't, then you don't know the state of your flock. You need to know how much you've spent on gas, electricity, on your internet bill. You need to know how much you're spending on insurance. You need to know how much you're spending on gifts for your friends, for your family. You need to know how much you're spending on groceries. You need to know these things. You say, that's tedious. Do you want to win, though? If you want to win, you have to know. So the old school way was we would balance a checkbook, right? You would write in all of these things. I spent money out. Even if you didn't write a check, right, you would have that ledger plus, minus income. I spent it on this and this and this, and you would have that ledger. Uh, some people still do it that way. You could use a spreadsheet. I use a program or a, a website called Mint, M-I-N-T.com. I, if, you, if, if you're the kind of person that says, it's too tedious for me to go through it, but I know it's important, then use a website like that. All right? And I don't usually you know, recommend websites with things like this, but this has been a big help to me in that it automatically, you just connect it with your credit card and all of these things, and it, and it aggregates everything together. And then even sometimes, it's not always perfect, but it'll categorize things for you. Right? If you go to In-N-Out, it knows In-N-Out is a restaurant, so it'll categorize it under food. And so that might be a help to you. And, and I have to go through every week. Every week on my day off on Monday, I go in and I check. And I say, what is this? And sometimes I ask my wife, you know, did you buy something from this website or what is this? And sometimes I got to dig in a little bit and realize, oh, this is what this is. And uh, I need to figure out where it goes. Uh, the most difficult one is Amazon. All right, Mint has no idea what Amazon sells because Amazon sells everything. So I got to go in and I compare Amazon and I compare, you know, Mint and I, I look down and I, and I categorize everything. So you got to know the state of your financial situation. Know where you stand. Know how much is coming in. Know how much is going out. So you need to be in charge of your cash. Also be charting your course. If you are in charge of your, uh, of your money and finances, then you need to be the one charting your course and setting the direction. The best definition of a budget that I've ever heard uh, is this. A budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Most people use a budget at the end of the month to look back and look at where did I spend my money? But that's not what a budget is for. A budget is to tell your cash where to go next month. A budget says, I will spend, you know, I don't know, 
$300 on groceries this month. So I'm going to spend that much. I, we're going to spend, uh, you know, $200 or I don't know. I'm just making up numbers. I'm not saying these are guidelines for you. Okay, some of you are going to set your budgets there, but don't do that, right? Let's say your budget is $200 for restaurants this month, right? Your, the budget is supposed to be the one telling you, all right, you got $150 left, you can still go. You got $100, maybe you could go here. Oh, it's still early in the month and you only got $75, maybe we should, we should not go to this restaurant and we should go to a more affordable restaurant. You see what I'm saying? That the budget is supposed to inform you and direct you as to how you should spend your money. So you need to not just at the once a month look back on a weekly, ba on a regular basis, you need to look at your budget and see where is my money going. And then direct your money in the right direction. So you'll look at it and say, all right, this is my tithe. I'm going to tithe this much. These are my taxes. This will get cut out. This is my, you know, these are the utilities. These are different things. And you gotta, you got to make some decisions. Sometimes the decisions are things like this. Our heating and, and cooling, our uh, gas and electricity bills are too high. We need to start turning off the lights. Sometimes you have to make some hard line decisions in terms of, all right, maybe we'll cut something out. Uh, uh, several of you have been to our home. And uh, so we've, uh, we've had uh, particularly a lot of younger people, that they come over and we try to have dinner with them and, and uh, have them over and things like that. Uh, I've had a few people come in and ask me, what's your Wi-Fi password, okay? I've had a few people ask that, and my answer is there is none because we don't have one. We don't have Wi-Fi. We don't have Wi-Fi because we don't have internet, okay? I know some of you are thinking, who are these? Who are these ancient people from the past who don't have internet at home? All right, but we don't have hardline. We don't have a hardline phone. We don't have cable. We don't have internet at home. We have none of those things. We have our smartphones. All right, and we have unlimited data. So we we pile it on there. Right, but but the point is this. Right, we looked at our budget and we said we want to spend more in this area and that area. We can do without this, so we cut it out. Some of you may have to make those decisions. I don't have this decision, but I know that up when I was going to church in the Seattle area, they were going through a fundraising program for, I think, missions or a, a building program. And, uh, and the pastor and others were encouraging people to think about ways that they could save. And one of them was, they, the, there was a family who said, we owned a house, and, and uh, they, they, they were doing well financially. You know, they bought a house, nice house in a nice area. They were doing well financially. And uh, so they just made some decisions without really thinking about them. And they said, one of the decisions that we made that we discovered we could make, I don't know if this is a decision you can make here, but the, the waste management gives you options. You could have a small trash can, a medium-sized one, and a big one. And so they just said, we're going to have the big one because, you know, what, let's say we have a bunch of people over and then we got to throw all the trash away. And they realized we don't hardly ever use that. So they cut back and they saved a few dollars every month and they could use that towards something else and they, they gave it into the church. But they wouldn't have known that unless they kept track of their expenses to know where they're spending, how much they're spending, can they cut back. We need to know the situation so that we could properly put our money in the right place. Luke chapter 14, verse number 28 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, The man began to build, and was not able to finish it. 
You see, the, 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 this parable is not about finances. It's really about discipleship. But Jesus says, you know, using this example of budgeting, it's almost a given that this is the right way to budget. He says, budgeting is not looking back on how you spent it. It's, can I afford to spend the next thing I'm going to buy? Can I afford to build the tower? Can I afford to buy the TV? Can I afford to buy the house? Whatever. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 6. We looked at this earlier. Go to the ant, thou slugger, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer. You see, again, they're looking towards the future, looking ahead and thinking, how much do I need to save in order to make it there? Thirdly, we need to be constantly conscious. Proverbs 13, verse number 16 says, Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge. If you want to be wise, you have to know. You have to know, where do I stand? How much is coming in? How much is going out? And you've got to spend some time. Uh, I, I read this uh, quote about a man who said that most people spend more time picking out their clothes than planning their careers or even their retirements. Right? More, mo some people spend more time standing in front of their closet picking out what they're going to wear for the day than they do thinking about their finances. Then thinking about how much did I spend this week, this month, this year? Am I coming out ahead? Am I coming out behind? Where do I stand? We need to deal with knowledge. Why? So we can win financially. And I want you to win financially. I want you to come out ahead. And there's two ways to do that. One is you can be really good at financial offense. And I, I encourage you to, if there's a way to work on that, work on that. You need to work on that. But if you really want to be successful, because most people understand financial offense, financial defense is where championships are won. Financial defense. Learning to say no. Learning to say, I hit my budget limit. I'm not spending any more this month. I'm not going to have this anymore because I can do without it. And when we're good at financial defense, then we can really come out ahead. And then we can look at our finances and see where we stand. So that's an important thing. So let me encourage you, maybe where you're at right now is you don't know where you stand. Just to be honest, sometimes you're scared to know where you stand, right? Sometimes you don't want to look because you don't want to know. And, uh, and there are times for that, but you need to deal with knowledge if you're going to be wise. That's what the Bible says. So as hard as it might be, you got to take a hard look at where do I really stand? And, and get in there and dig deep and then find out and then construct a plan. Typically, budgets don't work the first month because if you've never had a budget before, you don't know how much you normally spend. You don't know what's reasonable. You don't know where to cut back and where to spend more. So spend the next couple of months constructing a budget. Rent is fixed. This is how much it is. Gas, electricity, food, uh, entertainment, or whatever, all of these things. Construct a budget. And Mint will help you do that. If you're going to use Mint.com, that will help you do that. I set a budget, and then if I'm under the budget, it's green. If I hit my budget, it's yellow. If I'm over my budget, it's red. And so I know I can't spend any more here. And so I can literally just scroll. There's an app for your smartphone. You can just scroll up, and you can see all of the red ones. Oh, I, I need to stop eating out. I can't drink any more Starbucks this month. Oh, I can't you know, go out and do this uh, again. And so that would be a good help for you. Let me encourage you also, if financial offense is your weak point, work on your financial offense. 
you know, those of you that are in school, you know, work on that. Educate yourself, work hard so that your financial offense can be good. But really all of us, if we're going to be good, need to be good at financial defense. We need to be good at being able to say, no, I don't need that new piece of clothing. No, I don't need to eat out this time. No, I don't need to buy that new thing. And we're gonna need to make some of those adjustments. But as we do it, then we can come out ahead and really be able to make some progress and really be able to say, you know what, praise the Lord for what he's been able to do through my finances. You know what, now I can support another missionary. Hey, now there's, and we're going to talk about this in just a moment, hey, there's a new church project I'd like to contribute towards. Hey, you know what, there's a person here I've really appreciated. I want to just give them something and say thanks. You know what, maybe I could just save towards my retirement and praise the Lord in saving and investing towards my retirement because I've come out financially ahead. As we do these practical things, then we can begin to see how we could use it towards glorifying the Lord in our finances. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We're grateful for 